Welcome to today's episode on Life in the Front Office. I'm your host, Jake Hirschman, along with Amy Sheridan. Our, t- our today's guest is uh, a content strategist, um, a, a woman of, of many skills, skill, skill sets, and, and ultimately uh, has a tremendous background of experiences to uh, lend us some advice and insights today on, on the world of content in which you know, one would say is a little cluttered and how do you separate yourself from, from the rest? And, um, you know, a lot of people kind of spend time scrolling and scrolling and, and, uh, if you can separate yourself in the content world, it certainly can, can give, give you a leg up, uh, amongst your peers and, and competitors. So Amy, welcome to the podcast. Excited to chat today. Thank you so much, Jake. I'm thrilled to be here. So of course, uh, as some of our other guests have been on the podcast, you are Ohio Bobcat. Uh, I am. Um, and uh, first cohort of the Professional Online Program 2012. That is correct. Uh, I am very proud to have been part of that program. Um, Jim Taylor's first set of recruits that went through that 21 month program uh, came out on the other side alive and well. And uh, you know, now we have what we've accomplished to show for it, I guess. So, you know, one would say, well, why would you go back to school when you're already in the industry, right? You know, you were, you obviously were accomplished and continue to be accomplished. Um, but what was one of the, the main thoughts behind going back to school and, and getting more education for you? I started with my goal. So when I, I received, I believe, a LinkedIn message from Jim Kaler. They had just launched the program. And I had always thought about continuing my education, but you know, when you already have a job and you're working in sports, you don't want to leave the job. And so I had gone back and forth in my head about getting a master's and leaving the business. And it never, the value proposition was never strong enough for me to actually leave the business until I got that LinkedIn message saying, we are starting this online program and it's for industry pros just like yourself. You don't have to leave your place of work. You can complete the degree in 21 months. And it was like, ding, 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 you know, there it is. And uh, I think the goals of mine going in, I wanted to be crystal clear because like any business person, I want to be strategic about any investment that I make in myself. And I want to make sure that I get my maximum ROI out of the deal. And going in, I I wanted to teach and write about the business of sports. And in that first phone call that I had with Jim Kaler in and around 2011, I told him that. And he said, well, we can help you with that. And, uh, you know, if you, if you'd like to pursue the degree, just let me know. And you know, fast forward a couple of years and I had done it, you know, with 24 or 25 other people and, um, you know, keeping my eye on that goal uh, of teaching and writing um, through the course of the program, I was able to connect with some of the professors who put me in touch with professors in my hometown in the Philadelphia area. Um, and I taught my first course at Drexel University the year after I graduated OU. So it was, you know, the, the, it, you know, they helped me get from point A to point B in so many ways. And uh, that's why, you know, I wanted to make that investment. And from the standpoint of, you know, getting more education after the experiences that you've had, you know, whether it was 
uh, on the digital side or um, the agency side, sponsorships, et cetera. What, what was the, the kind of big takeaway or aha moment through school that you then said, you know, you were trying to go achieve that goal of, of ultimately teaching and writing about the business? So why, why did I want to do it or what was the aha what, moment in the yeah, program? What, yeah, what was your takeaway from, you know, not only working and going to school at the same time, but then, you know, it, it gives you obviously a different perspective. Um, so then exiting and graduating, did you have a different kind of mindset from a career path perspective as you, you know, as opposed to before when you were just kind of uh, gaining experience after experience uh, through your career path? It's a great question. Um, I don't know that my mindset changed. I would say that through the program, I was exposed to areas of the business that I had never been in before. Uh, it didn't change my trajectory though. I think it just broadened, it did broaden my perspective. And I think I say this all the time. One of the biggest takeaways from that program was simply getting to know the other people in my cohort, getting to know the other people in uh, other programs at Ohio University who came from different places in the sports business, you know, even, you know, from the intern level all the way up to the CEO or the CMO level. But I think that for me is the magic bullet of OU is getting in there and being exposed to different aspects of the business, but also the people in the business. Um, I'm a networker at heart. So it was hard for me to look away from the OU alumni base. It was hard for me to look away from how large and powerful that network is for sports business people like myself. So for me coming out of there, I think my network expanded dramatically and, you know, just the ability to navigate the industry faster, I would say, uh, was one of, you know, the best, the best takeaways that impacted the future of my career. And you, you think about kind of what you've done over the last couple of years and where you're going and and uh, the direction you're taking with your own business and being an entrepreneur and, and being your own boss, right? And, and kind of figuring out uh, when you wake up every day what you're gonna do, uh, it's, it's up to you, right? And, and yeah. as you think about you know, the, being a content strategist and, and what that means, that opportunity didn't exist you know, five, 10, you know, 15 years ago. And so it's this new kind of world of, um, not only has social media grown and, and digital has grown so large, but it's, it's cluttered, right? So how do you separate yourself, not only whether you're on LinkedIn or you're building your personal brand on, on other you know, social media platforms, but it is a competitive business and it is a competitive world regardless. Um, what are some of the, the pieces of advice you give to your clients and, and those in and around the industry in terms of separating yourself from, from others? Right, so just to take a step back. So I'm a content strategist serving sports industry leaders. A leader can be the CEO of a business, a leader can be a CMO, a leader can be a startup, you know, the team around a startup. And what my goal is for them is to get them out there creating content on owned, earned and paid channels. So whether it's on their own blog, whether it's within earned media interviews like this, you know, that we're having right now, uh, or paid placements. So strategic partnerships with a media outlet, 
branded content deals, things like that. So that's what I do. And how do I, how do I differentiate my clients from the rest? Well, the process is fairly straightforward, but we take the target audience, the target customer of the client, and we focus on that. So if you are a sponsorship sales representative uh, and you have, you know, perhaps you have your own firm and your target customer is a brand or a media buyer who might be interested in purchasing a sponsorship with the team, the local team. What we focus on in our efforts and our content creation efforts is that target customer. And what we focus on is creating content that serves that target customer. So what I see happening a lot, and to your point of the landscape being cluttered, is people marketing on social media just for marketing's sake, just to have a presence on social media, putting anything and everything up on Instagram just to be on Instagram, right? Here's a picture of my kids dancing in my kitchen. You know, oh, here's a picture of me. Um, did you know that I love broccoli? You know, I mean, people are on social media. I don't love broccoli, by the way. Um, people are, no, I totally made that up. Um, but people are on social media because they know they have to be. But they're, you know, in many cases, not all, but in many cases, they're just, they're just simply not being strategic. And so before any client of mine goes out and builds a strategy for their content, that could be blog, that could be Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, it could be, you know, going out in the media and forming partnerships, we reel it in and we say, well, how is this content serving our target customer? And the more laser focused you are on who that target customer is and what they need and want at any given moment in time, the simpler the process becomes to break through the clutter and reach that target customer. So it's very much about business and marketing and strategy in my world. And it's less about, we should really be on Instagram. Do you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. And I, I'm going to throw you a curveball because we didn't talk about this one before we got on to record, but I am the opposite of the content strategist. <laughs> I only have LinkedIn. And I only have LinkedIn because I want to build my brand from a career perspective, mm -hmm. but I also want to focus on it, right? So I want to, I only post about my podcast, right? I only focus on that to, so when someone sees something from me, it's, it's consistent, right? Mm -hmm. Now mm -hmm. I don't have any other platform because I absolutely hate it. I okay. don't want my time, you know, I don't want to. Uh, look at all the clutter of everyone else's stuff, right? I want yeah. to be able to focus on me, my time, my productivity, my effectiveness, my impact, right? And so yeah. um, to some extent, right, I am probably on one extreme in terms of not having social media. And I'm not sitting there scrolling on LinkedIn for days, right? It's, it's a, a check-in here or there or, or adding someone else or connecting with someone uh, such as yourself, right? Um, but when you think about the different types of professionals in the industry, you've got those who are 
you know, look at me, I'm with this, you know, logo or this, you know, whatever, right? I'm here at this arena or stadium, or you have those who are pretty much non-existent on the platform because they just don't put any effort to those who are, to your point, on it 15 hours, 20 hours a week, right? Mm -hmm. um, you mm -hmm. think about what you could do with 20 hours a week. I won't go mm -hmm. on my soapbox with that one, but, you know, what, what strategies would you put in place for someone who only maybe has one platform, but they really want to focus on it? Yeah, I mean, first of all, you're not giving yourself enough credit because, you know, a very wise advisor once said to me, you know, <laughs> don't half-ass five things, whole-ass one thing. <laughs> um, if LinkedIn is your platform of choice, then that's a strategy. You don't need to be on every social media channel. You don't need to be active on Instagram just to be active on Instagram. If your target customers are on LinkedIn, then own LinkedIn. Um, you know, for me, for example, I'm on, I mean, I have a Twitter account. I, I use that. I'm on Instagram as well, but LinkedIn is my main channel. And if I had to pick one, it would be LinkedIn. Um, and so people will find you, uh, you know, the one piece of advice I guess I would have is create a presence or at least a profile on each, each social network but direct people to where you live and breathe, right? So, you know, you may not be active on Instagram, but, you know, maybe have a profile and just let people know that if they could want to find you, they can find you on, on LinkedIn. And as long as your target customers are there, then that's really where you should be focusing your efforts anyway, right? So yeah. if you can dominate on LinkedIn and you can reach your target customers with high quality content, you're, you're on the right track and, you know, that's what you're doing, right? So you have a podcast, you have a strategy, you're using LinkedIn to market it, to network. And I would say that that's all positive, right? Um, you know, so I, I don't really, you know, see much wrong with that. You know, if you were running a business and you were trying to grow that business, I would probably have different advice for you. And I would, you know, ask you a bunch of questions about what you were trying to achieve and what your goals might be and who you're trying to reach. But you know, if you know that your people are in one place, you stick to what works. No, that's great advice. And I, I think, you know, the, the advice of, you know, only having one platform, right. And kind of putting your, your energy towards that, or if you're just can't get away from it and you have to have all your platforms and you have to be sucked into all of it. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, how do you make sure that you create the right presence on each platform? Right. It's mm -hmm. not, posting pictures on LinkedIn like you would on Instagram. No. You're not posting, you know, things that you would put on Twitter, on, you know, Facebook or whatever the case is, right? Like how do you have, you know, how do you make sure that people have a strategy for each platform? Yeah. And it's a really great question. And this is, is, is a challenge. Um, it's a challenge for businesses, especially small ones that don't have a dedicated member of their staff to manage social. I call it a community manager, if you will. Um, there are many, many tools, however, out there that can make the process a lot smoother. There's tools like Sprout Social and TweetDeck. And I mean, there's tons and tons of tools out there that can help you streamline this process. Um, but, you know, that said, even in that scenario, Twitter takes a different size image than Instagram. LinkedIn takes, you know, different sizes of images. 
Um, each platform has a different uh, length of post, maximum length of post. Each platform has a different look and feel and a different vibe, you know, but I think, you know, in my experience doing all this stuff, it's, the process looks a little bit like this. You create a piece of content, a high quality piece of content. It could be a podcast episode. It could be a blog post. It could be a video. And you take that one piece of content, you slice it up into 10, 15 pieces, right? So for example, with this podcast, how many quotes, for example, might you be able to pull out of this one podcast with you and I talking and create graphics for social media? And how long can you extend the life of this episode using those assets, right? Just simple graphic quotes. And you can, you know, make them in a few different sizes, which is always not so fun, but tools like Canva can do that for you. And you set them up in one of these tools that I mentioned before, and you sort of drip them out over time. Um, most of the work in maintaining a social presence is that upfront work where you've created the really great piece of content, and then you need to spend a few hours with the piece of content to break it into pieces. You know, and I think that's really one of the main strategies of having a successful social media presence is, first of all, creating high quality pieces of content. And then second of all, slicing and dicing them, spending time with those elements and spreading them out over time on your social media channels so that you're not spending an hour or two or three every single day posting you know, from your phone or your laptop, it's kind of happening alongside of your normal everyday activities. No, that's great. That's great thought and, and insights. And, you know, when you think about, you know, you talk about great content, right? Or unique content. Everyone's got a different, different definition for what's unique content or really good engaging content. How do you decide, you know, what's good and what's bad? as opposed oh. to posting everything. I mean, obviously you have, you know, everyone's got their own opinion, right? But uh, how do you kind of figure out what that piece of engaging content is for you? Well, first and foremost, you must be set up to look at the analytics of your performance of your posts. Analytics is one thing, okay? Every platform offers baseline analytics. If you realize over time that your posts are getting no engagement, then you have a problem and you're probably not putting out high quality content that people need or want, or maybe it's not reaching your target customer. So you have to take a step back and think about, you know, how can I change my approach? What am I doing wrong? Secondly, you know, being again, super crystal clear on who your target customer is and serving them content that you believe that they need and want. Creating a great strategy and great content is really the process of what I call test and tweak. So test a strategy, test a graphic, watch the reception, do it consistently, you know, post consistently and continue to watch the reception and the engagement on these posts. And if over time you're not building a natural, you know, following, if you will, or you're not building consistently 
good rate of engagement, you kind of have to reel back your reel your strategy back in and think about what you could be doing differently. But I think it's a combination of knowing your analytics and watching the performance and the test and tweak, right? Um, put yourself out there. You'll never be perfect unless you not unless you just keep trying something until it works, right? Yeah. As we as we head towards the fourth quarter in this episode, uh, you know, I want to talk about thought leadership. And you mentioned leadership earlier. Um, it's it's something that is look, everyone everyone needs a leader, every organization needs a leader, but the word leadership is sometimes overused, right? And especially thought leadership in that sense. It's kind of that buzzword. But when you think about being a thought leader and ultimately how do you go from nothing to becoming a thought leader? What advice do you have for those out there that maybe have some good advice to share? Yes. Well, think about what platform you're comfortable creating on. Becoming a thought leader to me is about creating, using your unique view and perspective on a topic. The topic could be the sports business. It could be a narrower topic within the sports business, which is even better right? So maybe it's sponsorship, maybe it's, uh, you know, e-commerce, maybe it's the trends and what's happening in e-commerce right now during COVID-19. You know, it's taking that unique lens that only you have and sharing it with the world on a platform in a format that you are comfortable sharing it in. So if you, you are comfortable writing or you, you think, you know, you're, you're a decent writer, well then, you know, why not try it out? Why not try blogging or you know, some people think, well, do I need a website to blog? No, you can post on LinkedIn. You can create a blog post on LinkedIn. You can blog on Medium. You know, there's, there's platforms out there for anyone who has a type, you know, a computer, I was going to say typewriter, <laughs> a computer to, uh, you know, test their hand in blogging. And if you'd rather talk, which comes easy to most people, you can certainly create your own podcast or you can simply, you know, get, you know, get yourself invited onto podcasts like this to share your thoughts with the world. Um, you know, and to me, doing that consistently over time and developing a bit of a following is how you become a thought leader in this business. And a true thought leader is, you know, sharing their views with the world, with their industry consistently over time. You know, and um, it's, it's a hurdle that, you know, not many people are willing to jump over. They'll do it once or twice, but can they do it for a full year? That's kind of what separates A from B, in my opinion. Yeah, you know, the, the, the thought leaders that just want to throw their opinion out there once or twice and, you know, sing it from the rooftop, but then jump right off the rooftop and, and back, you know, down to ground level versus those who, you know, look, anyone and their brother and their, and, and their sister can create a podcast, right? And mm -hmm. I can say that because we're talking on one right now, we're almost right. 150 episodes in and, you know, you just got to keep it going, right? And, and eventually it's going to grow steadily and, 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 you know, slowly and surely. Um, but to your point, you know, keeping a consistent message and, and a tone and a perspective. Um, so when you think about, you know, let's take, take some of your thought leadership um, thoughts, for example, whether it's, you know, women in sports, right, and, and kind of 
how you interact with the world uh, of, of sports business within that lens. Um, you know, participating in WISE, right, wherever the local chapter is, or um, participating on panels or whatever it might be. So for, for those women in sports, what are your pieces of advice in terms of being a thought leader in that realm? Yeah, I mean, I think this is a really exciting time for women that are rising in the ranks of the sports business to be seen and heard by their peers and prospects. Um, there are so many of us out there in the industry that uh, are, you know, in, in really great, exciting roles and achieving really great and exciting things. And I think now is a great time to put yourself out there. You know, I, I think in this business, it's maybe slightly more intimidating to do something like that because it is traditionally so male dominated, right? Um, but that, all that's changing. And I think now is, a, is the perfect time for female thought leaders to emerge and carve out a space for themselves um, because we're still sort of in the early phases of that, right? I think there's still a lot of room for women in sports and, uh, you know, to, to emerge as thought leaders um, the, from, from the top down, you know, the people that are in the industry, the women that hold really esteemed positions all the way down to, you know, the entry levels. And, and like you said, anyone can create a podcast, anyone can blog. So age doesn't really matter. It just matters if you have the drive and the capacity to create consistently over time and share you, your unique views with the industry. Yeah, I think you you bring up a great point in, in that you don't have to have the you know the sexy logo or the big title to be a thought leader, right? I you know you can take your own experiences because everyone does have their own experiences and perspectives, and they come from a different background, and ultimately everyone's got different skill sets, right? That that are unique to them. So, you know, for those who are, are either trying to get into the industry or those who are kind of early on in their career, um, you know, trying to find their way, you know, zigzagging through, through the industry to, to some extent, you know, how do you even think about becoming a thought leader, right? It's, it's not something that you just wake up one day and go, I'm going to become a thought leader, right? Yeah. <laughs> Got to evolve over time. Yeah, I mean, so many people, be, they, they do this without even realizing they're doing it, right? You know, maybe they're just deep down, they're a creator, they're a writer. I, I've, I've taught at St. Joe's, I taught a sports blogging course for a few years. There were always some superstar writers in that class, male and female. But, you know, in that class, I would challenge my students to find a niche within the business that they felt super passionate about. You know, it could be the rules of golf. It could be, you know, uh, and one of these students that I remember that stands out to me was cheat diets, athlete cheat diets. Okay, she went around the business and did research on what professional athletes do on their cheat day, okay? This was a super interesting blog that she created and she hadn't even graduated yet. So, you know, if somebody finds a topic that is personally interesting to them and is within you know, a unique niche in the industry, they can become a thought leader uh, by simply, like we keep saying, we keep repeating it, but by sticking with it and you know, taking 
the disciplined approach and building an audience over time. I mean, look at people in any industry who have become millionaires and billionaires just by simply putting themselves out there consistently over time. You know, the same thing can be achieved in this business. I think sometimes it, it feels more traditional, but I think that's changing. I think um, a bit more pop culture is infiltrating this business. I think the, the, the lines between sports and entertainment are blurring. And so I think, uh, you know, like, like I said, uh, age doesn't matter, gender doesn't matter, it just, you know, it matters that you feel passionate about something or you want to take a position on something within the industry and shout it consistently from the rooftops over time. Yeah, when you think about, you know, how uh, impactful sometimes you can reach people, right, without even knowing it, you know, I think about, um, even if it's just through someone you don't even know on LinkedIn, but they connect with you and you just accept it, but then they've listened to your, you know, podcast or they've, you know, wrote, wrote, you know, uh, a blog and, and they followed yours or whatever the case might be. You never know how you can impact someone and all it takes is to impact one person um, mm -hmm. to, to, you know, ultimately keep your drive going. Right. And it's one person at a time. So as you think about what you're doing and, and how you're, you know, creating your own brand, right? You're creating yeah. your own business, your own strategy. Um, what's one thing that we can all learn from you as, as you're, you know, taking the entrepreneurial reins and, and running with it? Yeah, well, um, for me, the one thing that you can learn if you are a person who would like to build a personal brand, who may be a founder type who has hopes and dreams of carving out their own niche in this business and you know starting their own business. It's about demonstrating to your target customers that you are legit, that you can walk the walk, right? So if I can't build a digital following and I can't land myself guest slots on podcasts and I can't do, you know, submit op-eds to Sports Business Journal, and be seen and heard by my peers and prospects, then how am I supposed to convince someone else that I can do that for them? So any business that you're in, any role that you're in, you build credibility by simply doing and achieving your goals. And so, you know, part of that is being willing to walk the walk, being willing to put yourself out there. And the other part of it is being super disciplined and establishing goals for yourself and chasing them, you know? So it's running your own business is not a business for people that don't like a lot of unplanned and unstructured time, okay? Um, if you really, really like a lot of routine and predictability, being a business owner isn't that, okay? Um, at least at first, right? Um, but goals, um, you know, the, 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 you know, the startup mentality, living in, um, you know, being flexible and there's, there's just so much that goes into it for me. But, uh, you know, the advice that I have is be willing to walk the walk you know, put yourself out there, prove your credibility, improve your value, uh, whichever role that you're in. Um, and eventually, if you do it often enough and consistent enough, 
your your following will come you know your your people will arrive and your customers will show up and uh things will work out just stick with it just stick like you know, just like nike just do it just gotta stick with it um Amy, really appreciate the time, the insights, the thoughts, um, and ultimately, you know, just your perspective on things. Uh, certainly appreciate it, and thanks for your time. Thank you so much, Jake, for having me, and I uh, hope we can talk again soon. Absolutely. Thank you.